Good morning, good day, and good evening, everyone. My name is David, and this is my podcast, Keith Labyrinth. Welcome. Bonjour, fellow adventurers. Welcome back to another venture in Geek's Labyrinth. Have you ever found while taking a leisurely stroll or just walking to the store, or just driving through the streets, paintings or murals on sides of buildings or walls that are extremely colorful, well done, or and some that are not, and some of the things, some of them are kind of abstract, and just think, who has the time to do these things? Who can do these kinds of things? And just look at them and try to decipher them. Well, folks, that is what we call graffiti. And in today's labyrinth, and in today's adventure, we shall be exploring the labyrinth of graffiti. And if you don't mind, we shall begin at the beginning. Graffiti has been around since the dawn of time, since man could pick up a spear. You've seen graffiti in caves, in temples, on walls and trains. We, as beings, have been doing graffiti since the beginning, since we have been able to. With ancient men, as I said, in caves. With Grecians, they did it on temples and statues. We, as modern people, have done it on walls, trains, planes, buses, and even cabooses. This is not a new art form. It has withstood the test of time. Today, we just know it as something else. Now, graffiti is a very touchy subject for many people. Many consider it art, and many, just as equal, consider it vandalism. And as we explore this labyrinth, you may find where I land on this subject. And in today's adventure, we shall be exploring contemporary graffiti. Now, graffiti has had many uses throughout history. That being marking territory, telling stories, giving out information to people, being solely art, or for political purposes. Many of it for being anti-establishment. And some of these uses you can see dates back to World War II. And even further, but we'll stick with World War II. There's a popular thing that was that American soldiers used to write. It was, Kilroy was here. You can also see it during the presidential reign of Richard Nixon. There was a popular slogan that was pulled around saying, Dick Nixon before he dicks you. Also during the civil unrest in the United States, when the prominent Black Panther, Huey Newton, was arrested, saying, free Huey. And then across the pond to France, during May 68, which is a time of civil unrest amongst the students, there was a popular slogan that said, Le nu est contre revolution. I'm not sure if I said that right, but you get the gist. Which translates to boredom is con- counter-revolutionary. And as in providing information, the homeless would often write things on walls, on train cars and such to indicate whether or not this place is a safe, this area is safe, or be careful of the, these kinds of people or careful cops come through here or further down the way you can find a safe haven providing little monarch little monikers and you can see some of that stuff in the film who is bozo Deshino, a film by bill daniel when it comes to marking territory that can be with gangs with other graffiti artists so that's where you can have that more controversial use of 
graffiti. Many gangs put their gang logo throughout their neighborhood, marking this is this gang's territory, and mark it throughout that area, saying from this place to this place is our territory. And you can see a good example of that in Netflix's original show, On My Block. Then graffiti is also used for trying to keep someone's memory alive or so. As in the case of Charlie Parker, there was a lot of graffiti going around saying Yardbird Lives, which was his nickname. And Charlie Parker was a well-known jazz saxophonist who is credited with creating bebop, a fantastic form of jazz. And you can hear some of that style of music in Cowboy Bebop. The introductory song to that show, mm, just ten, just tens, just perfect. Then there's the art portion of graffiti. As an art form, it's pretty spectacular. Like I said before, it's colorful, it's unique, it's very abstract. And if you're not a graffiti artist, then a lot of the stuff that gets put up on walls and train cars and everything occasionally are hard to decipher if you can't read their lettering. But nonetheless, it's very, very complex sometimes and just amazing to see. Graffiti was very prominent during the 70s and 80s and had a very good and had a huge impact and influence on hip hop and rap, even as we know it today. And you can actually see that in Blondie's, of all people, Blondie's video of Rapture, which featured one part of the duo Samo, which was John Michael Basquiat, who still is considered one of the best graffiti artists today. And there has been many documentaries on graffiti and its influence in culture. There is the documentary Wild Style, Style Wars, which, like I said, gave glimpses into the world of graffiti. And another prominent video that shows the influence of graffiti is in the video of The Message from Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Like I said, as an art form, it's a form of expression for many. And it's become so prominent in the world that it, it's even given many opportunities to those graffiti artists to ex to exhibit their their art in galleries and unfortunately there are people out there who consider that selling out for those who take that opportunity to do more to show their art in other forms and the reason why it's considered selling out is because graffiti has always been a part of the streets it has always belonged to the streets not in a gallery at that point i guess you can consider it's been gentrified because many consider oh galleries are for paintings such as like Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and stuff like that, where you displayed those kinds of paintings. And graffiti doesn't belong there because it's always been counterculture or counter-revolutionary. has always gone against the grain and it always has been influenced and has had a bigger influence with hip-hop and rap as well as punk. And as we know, punk has always been a genre of music which has always gone against the establishment. So that's why people consider sometimes consider it selling out because there's always been part of that culture to go against the man. And many graffiti artists have used this as a stepping stone to get their art out there, to help them elevate themselves, to make a name for themselves. For example, to get commercial exposure, to get some uh, like on clothing and etc. And graffiti has had a huge impact on culture, as I stated before, that curators from art galleries have brought in graffiti in hopes to change the views and minds of people who see graffiti as a negative, giving that opportunity to those graffiti artists to show the world the talent that they have within them, such as at the exhibition in 2006 in New York that shows the influence that graffiti has had within the outer boroughs. The curator for that was Charlotte Kotick. She had hoped to change the views of those people. She's one of many. And during the exhibit, 
it showed many pieces from many different graffiti artists, such as Crash, Lee, Days, Keith Haring, John Michael Basquiat, Lady Pink, and many more. Terence Lindell, who's an artist and art director of the Williamsburg Art and Historic Center, had this to say about graffiti in the exhibition. Graffiti is revolutionary, in my opinion, and any revolution might be considered a crime. People who are oppressed or suppressed need an outlet, so they write on walls. It's free. Another exhibition that was displayed was an art project from the 1970s called Walls of the World. Now, this project was done by Burhan Dungake. He took pictures from all over the world. He took pictures of walls from all over the world. This art project included five continents, 114 countries, 30,000 images, and he had an exhibition, a one-man exhibition, called The Walls Whisper, Shout, and Sing. Now, art, art exhibitions have been going around since time in memoriam, and there was an art exhibition that was done in 1979 to help spread the art of graffiti, and it took it all the way out to Rome, out of the sphere of New York, where this iteration of graffiti had been born. And for many people, this was the first time seeing graffiti. And this art exhibition was able to become a possibility and a reality due to Hugo Martinez, who created the United Graffiti Artist Group in 1972. He created this group specifically to help get graffiti into art galleries, off the streets into art galleries where certain people wouldn't necessarily see them out in the streets because they wouldn't go to those parts of neighborhoods and stuff like that. So the one of the biggest moments in the United Graffiti Artists group was the fact that Fat Five Freddy and a few other artists got the opportunity to go to Rome in 1979 due to Hugo Martinez's effort to give exposure to graffiti to the people. Now the beginnings of what we know as graffiti today can only be possible due to the invention of the spray can. And you can't really talk about things unless you know from where it began. So now, if you indulge me, just a quick moment, I'm gonna go through the origins of the spray can. It dates back to, to 1790 in France from the invention of carbonated drinks. Now you're trying to figure out how, do, how does carbonated drinks help spray cans? Well, because carbonated drinks, as we all know, like sodas, which is a carbonated drink, come in, come in cans and they're pressurized. That thought process is like, oh, I can put a, something in this can and have it pressurized and then something can come out. In 1862, spray cans were invented, but they're super heavy. Not the modern day ones we know now, but these are like very antique looking things. Now we roll into the 20th century and we get a Norwegian inventor by the name Eric Rothbein, who happens to patent the predecessor of what we know today as the modern spray can. And the post office even made a freaking stamp to commemorate the invention of spray cans. And that was back in 1998. Well, from that point, from Eric Rothbein, we go to Edward Seymour, who is considered the father of today's aerosol can, which he invented in 1949 with his company, Seymour Sycamore, which is still running today in Chicago, helped bring about the evolution of what we know as graffiti today. Without these people, we wouldn't have this art form. Now, you're probably wondering, well, okay, we talked about the history. What about the art of it? We'll talk about that. Let's make a turn here. When it comes to graffiti, obviously, you've seen some elaborate things, some very simplistic things. Those are called styles. And like I said, there's variant, there are variant with styles and within each artist themselves that take it and mold it to the way and the way they want to present it. 
First, you have the tag. It's simple one, two color bubble. And bubble by mean is a bubble lettering. You know, like you, you would do sometimes like as a little kid and stuff like that. That's pretty much what it is. Then you have the throw up or the bomb, which is the next step above tag because it's more complicated. You have two to three colors and you're able to repeat it over and over again. Then you move on to the blockbuster, which is bigger block lettering and it covers a lot of area. Then you come to one of my personal favorites, the wild style. It's very elaborate, has curves, lines, arrows, very intricate, at times very difficult to read and has a multitude of colors. Then you have the heaven, which is a piece that's done way up high on a building that's very difficult to reach or pretty much just a place where it's super difficult to reach that normal people wouldn't actually go to. So like I said, on top of highways, on top of buildings and stuff like that. Then you have the stencil, kind of self-explanatory, piece of paper you cut out of image, spray paint it on, boom, got a stencil. Then you got the slap, which is pretty much just a sticker. And then you got the piece. Now the piece, P-I-E-C-E, is pretty much a picture, a one-of-a-kind thing that you, th that you put on a wall. Very intricate, very detailed. Now, as we all know, uh, this is a t controversial topic, and obviously with it comes its downsides in terms of government control. If you're not allowed to put these pieces on certain designated areas and you decided to put it somewhere else, obviously you're going to get in trouble with the law. And the government has come up with ways to try to deter these things, and that's come, come in some forms of trackers, writing down a database of names, of known aliases, injunctions, hotlines, reward programs, and stuff like that. And in today's modern age of graffiti, Derry McRae, who's from Philadelphia, is usually credited as the first, first graffiti writer because he used to tag his name and his crushes all over North Philly. Cornbread loves Cynthia. Top Cat 126, who's also from Philly, brought it from there to New York. And he's the one credited for bringing this style, this culture, up north. And back in the day, you would write your name or your alias and then... A couple numbers. If you know anything about graffiti or from what we've talked about, I did mention trains. Now, the train phenomenon of graffiti artists bombing the sides of, ca of cars became super prominent in the 1970s. And it became a, like a big competition as to who can get recognized the most. So people were just trying to do outdo one another every time. If you know the people, you knew them, you're like, dang, he threw it up there. Now I gotta go top it. So it became a competition who can do it better. And because of the competition, it came with the emergence of new styles, new ways to make the graffiti look better, more appealing, pretty much outdoing your fellow artists. So we, we have Phase 2, who came up with the style Bubble. Then we got Blade, who bombed the whole train. And like I said, in the 80s, we have Punk. Punk has been very anti-establishment, was always against the man. So you had a lot of bands with stencils. You see like Black Flag and the Ramones and stuff like that where you see their stuff all over phone booths, posts, walls. Then comes the 1990s, and then we saw a new breed of artists, of graffiti artists, come to light. And amongst those artists, we get some of the most famous artists that we know now, that being Banksy and Shepard Fairey. Now, Banksy, as we know, has become almost like a political icon, posting on the streets stencils that speak to politics and how people view the political system, essentially showing the plight of the people. As I said before at the beginning, graffiti has already delved in into that area. It's always had some political stance. 
the graffiti culture itself is a political stance, that being against the current government system that they're currently in, or amongst the graffiti artists themselves. But it became such a phenomenon. So around the 2000s, we have people who support it, people who are prominent figures, such as Mark Echo. You know, Echo Limited, Echo Red. He brought us a game called Getting Up, which depicts the hustle and grind a graffiti artist has to go through to become recognized. In graffiti, you also get insults of people who, who call you out saying that you're fake. And the way they do it is they'll throw up something on your piece and that thing is usually when they throw it up on your piece it says toy that's pretty much an insult when it comes to graffiti artists they're calling you a toy that you're fake you may come to think that graffiti is completely wild unstructured that there's nothing there's no actual base for it but in actuality to contrary belief graffiti actually has a structure it has a way things are done and these are the politics of graffiti. It has its own little form of government essentially. That is unwritten. The ultimate offense that you commit is writing over someone else's work. As I stated before with the insult of toy and also insulting somebody by writing on their work, that is something that is a no. Next is anonymity. No snitching. Snitches get stitches. That's pretty much the rule. If you write on somebody, give out their name, who they are to somebody else that is looking for them let's say the police or whatever you're pretty much gonna get blackballed from the community as i was saying graffiti actually has a structure to it just like anything else in this world it has a hierarchy those who are most visible or the most skilled are known as kings it has the iconography of crowns within their work and real graffiti artists won't ever deface small businesses no writing on religious sanctuaries or place of religion i previously mentioned the competition aspect of graffiti. A lot of times, it's usually a friendly, friendly competition, but there are times where there are battles, meaning against one-on-one -on -one individuals or crews themselves. These are known as getting up battles. These battles can take between a few hours, few days, depending if it's just one-on-one -on -one or crews. It can extend from weeks up to months, and within certain parameters, being this section of city, see how much you can do, and it's usually against quantity versus quality, how much you can, how much you can throw up and how good it is, and it's usually judged from an outside artist. And the results and awards from these battles can be something very minute to something extremely disastrous. This is discussed between the crews of what the award will be. So that being, if you win, you get a paint pot, or even you get to sock somebody in the jaw for their disrespect. Or it could result in the person or crew in losing their privilege to ever write their names again. Just like in music, there is no biting, meaning no copying somebody else's style and claiming it yours. This also goes along with the peace book or the black book, which is often commonly known as, or the writer's Bible, meaning this is the book where artists do their sketches, where they outline what they're going to do next. And there have been times where people who are in competition with one another, sometimes they had the audacity of stealing that person's sketchbook, which is a huge no. There's a book called The History of American Graffiti by Caleb Nilon, N-E-E-L-O-N. -E -E in that book, he said, 
Quote, the artists who master the craft of painting on the streets can create perhaps even greater work in the studio setting. What they might lose is the volume of people who see their work on a daily basis, end quote. So essentially saying the same thing the other curators have stated, that these artists have the potential to become so much more, you just have to give them the chance. And their beginning chances are on the street, on those blank canvases that we know is just regular walls. When you're walking down the street or driving through neighborhoods, driving through the city, occasionally just stop and admire some of the pieces that you see. And the majority of artists always sign their work as one which should do. If you can find them like on Instagram or something like that, try to support the artist. Support art in general. That being drawing, music, singing, theater. Go and support the arts. It's always been a way for people to be creative and strive to become better and be more. It's what lets us podcasters do what we do. This is an art form. It has become one. So again, support the artists, support the art whenever you can. Try to help keep art in school. Also, there is an Instagram page, hashtag graffiti, that you should follow because it also has some amazing pieces, some amazing art from many graffiti artists. So go check them out, hashtag graffiti on Instagram. Well, folks, we've come to the end of this labyrinth. I hope you enjoyed the information that we've gathered today. Before we depart today, don't forget to visit our social media boards. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Don't forget to rate and comment your experience today, folks. You can find us always on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, anywhere where you can get podcasts. Again, folks, I'd like to thank you for coming on this adventure with us. Until next time, fellow adventurers, keep your eye out for the next voyage. Until next time, adventurers, TTFN, ta-ta for now.